Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right. I am so excited to be here with Ange Bourgeois. And I've been practicing your name. I told you this before we hit record, so I'm glad I got it right. Um, from Catching Made Simple. How's it going, man? It's going great, dude. Thanks for having me on, Francisco. Yeah, I'm so excited. And like I told you before we were recording, I have seen your content all over my social media feed. And it's been great. Um, you and all the other um, people and coaches that you had at your camp recently have been really like blowing up in, in a good way. It's been really fun to see. Um, before we kind of touch on content where does your baseball story begin like where has that where did this whole thing start for you yeah like at the very beginning sure Sure. summarize it for me yeah yeah okay okay um so man i grew up as a baseball kid 100 um so my dad is a huge baseball fan he's a dodgers fan so i grew up bleeding dodger blue as they say and we did baseball everything like we would play catch we he would give me baseball shirts it was like baseball everything growing up and uh so i was i was kind of good i was i was as an infielder and so and the pitcher and i was having success as a kid so then it's even more fun because you're good at it Mm -hmm. you're like winning you know um and then my dad actually opened up a baseball academy in utah when i was from like seventh grade to ninth grade and then 2008 hit and the business had to had to close down because 2008 was just crazy Mm -hmm. um but so yeah so i baseball's in my blood it's it's been in my blood from the very beginning and um yeah started out as an infielder came to college uh was an infielder played like a little bit of first base and dh to get my bat in the lineup when i first when i first came in as a freshman and then my junior year, I transitioned to a catcher. So I only caught hmm. for like 18 months, um, learned from essentially the ground up. I had caught like a few bullpens in high school for some of my teammates. And other than that, I never caught. So wow. I caught at a D2 level and um, had to learn it from, from scratch. So now it's fun to teach it because yeah. of all, all the pass balls and all the mistakes and uh, troubles that I went through as I was learning. So you didn't really catch at all like in high school um, till you got to college. Um, mm-hmm. How was the uh, the recruitment process for you? Because you um, you went to uh, Biola. Like, were there other colleges or universities or JUCOs that you're into- interested in? Yeah, yeah, there were. So um, I had really good grades and I had really good test scores. So I was looking at some like high academic schools as mm-hmm. well, but. My both my parents are from Fullerton, California, and so we grew up coming out to California, um, and I wanted to come back out to California to to play ball because it was warm mm-hmm. and it's and I grew up in Salt Lake City, so like you had winters, you had cold, and I was looking to get into the sun yeah. to play. Um, I I actually went on a trip out like back east over Christmas. And when we went, it was the worst weather ever. This past it Christmas? Like, it was, no, it was like when, um, when I was, when I was talking to school. Oh, sure, sure. And, um, I went out to this college and it was like sleeting oh. hail, like sideways. And it was windy, like so windy. Wow. And I was like, man, I don't, I don't want to come over here. Um, so yeah, I came out, came out to California. My final two choices were Westmont and Viola. Okay. And I just had an, an incredible experience with the coach and the team. And I felt like they wanted me more too. And so it was a, it was a no brainer for me to go out there. Yeah. I actually had a friend who went to Westmont several years back and that's also, um, a Christian or religious school. Um, was that mm-hmm. something that you were was like a, a a necessity like that was something you really wanted to do or that just happened to be the two choices you were kind of left with that's that's a great question um it it really wasn't uh because my my thought process was you know like wherever you go you're gonna find the crowd that you want to be around sure and and so like my faith is important to me without a doubt but that wasn't really like a huge determining factor in where i went to college actually um 
However, I will say when I talked to my then head coach at Biola, one of the things that he had told me in the recruiting process that really stuck with me was, hey, you're about to enter the most, the four most foundational years of your life. Mm-hmm. And you will become like the people that you hang around with. And the people that you're going to hang around with is your team. So when you look at the team, when you look at the people on the teams that you are evaluating to go to school there, do you want to become like those people or not? Because you will become like them because you're going to spend so much time there. Um, So then, you know, then I had an incredible experience, made some great friends at Biola, even while I was still in high school throughout the recruiting process, meeting the players we kept in touch. Um, and so I was like, yeah, this is where I want to be. That's awesome. And you mentioned your faith and stuff. And I was watching a video um, that you, I was, I Googled your name and like, it's like maybe the only interview that I saw. And it was not even an interview. It was you in like the auditorium at your school and a couple other student athletes talking and comparing sports to uh, your walk, um, your spiritual walk and stuff like that. So I thought that was pretty cool the way you were comparing it and the way you kind of, I felt like you, it's almost like a message. You were like preaching a little bit. I thought that was kind of, that was kind of cool. You <laughs> yeah, know what I'm talking you, about, so after, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I got to speak at a chapel. It was super okay. cool. Um, and it was my buddy's birthday. So I think the first thing that I, that I say is my teammate's <laughs> birthday. And I got up there and I had never been like in front of lights like that before. And so I get up and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I can't even see. Cause it was like pitch black in the auditorium mm-hmm. and you got these big lights at you. And I'm like, wow, I have no idea. And then I'm like, where's where's Phil? Happy birthday, bro. I promise I give you a shout out. Um, but but yeah, ab- absolutely. I think I think sports as a whole are just one of the best training grounds for life. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's so many parallels between uh, faith and sports and life. And that's just like how my brain naturally thinks. So. You know, like one of the things that uh, I don't know if I talk, I don't think I talked about this in the in the chapel message, but, you know, one of the foundational things as I was transitioning to a catcher was I learned really quickly that like my stance was super important. And so I had caved in knees at the beginning because to get into a catching stance, you have to have tremendous mobility. And so but and the, the issue with the caved in knee is one, it puts pressure on your knees that because the the pressures on the joints rather than like the joints being in alignment and having the muscles absorb the stress and so it's bad that like that's why catchers have bad knees it's because Mm. they have bad mobility which then puts them in a bad stance which then puts the pressure on the joints so um so that that's something but then also it makes it harder to receive because then your left knee gets in the way and it hits your Mm. left elbow and so i had to like figure out how to open up my stance. And as I was going through that, um, I was just learning. I, 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 the Sermon on the Mount is probably my favorite passage in the Bible. And at, at the very end of it, you know, Jesus concludes his message and he says, Hey, you heard everything that I just said. Mm-hmm. And then this is like the Sunday school song, right? You either build your house on the the wise man yeah. builds his house on the rock, the foolish man builds his house on the sand. And, um, and what it says is whoever hears these words of mine and acts on them, hmm. put, builds his house on the rock. Whoever hears them and doesn't act, builds on the sand. And, and most people, if you ask them, hey, do you know that story? They'll say yes. And you say, hey, could you tell it to me? And they'll say, whoever hears it, builds it on the rock. Whoever doesn't hear it, hear it builds hmm. it on the sand. But that's not how he actually tells the story. Both hear it. One acts, one doesn't act. And so as I was as I was learning and going through all this stuff, learning how to catch, it was just so apparent to me that like, hey, you know, my my stance is so important physically in my stance. But yet at the same time, like I know what I have to do. And if I don't act on it, then like the ball is going to go to the backstop. And I have to turn around and go chase it and and get it back. So that was like such a foundational uh, piece of text for me that was like so literal, you know, like your foundation is going to crumble and you have to go get the ball if you don't, if you don't do it right. So that's awesome. So yeah, That's a great illustration too. And and touching on on the catching part of it, 
What made them decide to make you a catcher? And like, what was your initial thoughts? Because I've talked to guys who like, I used to be a pitcher, and they're like, no, 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 you're going to be a first baseman now, or vice versa. Right. What was your reaction to that? Yeah, well, you know what's hilarious is um, literally like, I, I don't know if it was the day before or a few days before, but I was playing summer ball in Ohio, and it was like 100 degrees, like 80% humidity, mm -hmm. And it was so hot. And I see these catchers in their gear, like running back behind home plate over down to the right field line to like go get blocking practice in. And I was like, man, you got to be a different type of person if yeah. you want to catch. Kid you not said those words to a teammate standing right next to me. And then it was either like the next day or two days later or something. My head coach from Biola calls me and he says, hey, Anch. I, I, I got a serious question for you. Do you have a minute? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. And he says, what would you think about catching? And then he, he van at my work, we call this vanguarding where it's like getting ahead of all the potential objections, mm -hmm. like whatever thoughts, worries, fears, concerns they might have. Like, we're going to say that at the beginning, he did that to me. Um, and he was like, Hey, so look, it's going to be a really hard transition. The skill sets of like, footwork, strong arm, good baseball IQ, leadership, like the skill sets transfer really well, mm -hmm. but it's a completely different skill set. You're not going to be taking ground balls. You're going to be in a catcher squat blocking balls. And, and he's like, and it's really difficult. Like, you, like there's a risk that if you transition that you could get caught in between mm -hmm. that you couldn't play that, you know, it could, it could be a, really bad experiences as you finish. And, um, and then he finishes and he's like, but I wouldn't ask anyone else to do it. So you're the only person that I'd ask to do it because I know your work ethic and I know your attention to detail. Yeah. So I was like, all right, give me, give me a day or two. Let me, let me pray about it. Let me think about it. And then I, I was like, all right, I'm in. Let's was, do it. Did you guys just like lose a catcher last minute or um, did he just think that you as an individual would be a better catcher than infielder? Yeah. So it's kind of, kind of a mix of, of all of those factors. Yeah. And so we had two catchers that were seniors at the time and um, we had just lost our starter the, from, from the year before. And we had also just gotten in a, a bounce back transfer from the U from the university of Utah. And so now we had four like solid infielders mm -hmm. and three spots in infield. And we had two senior catchers and then like two freshman catchers. Um, and at the same time, my skill set, I was much better leader and communicator baseball IQ guy than like actually my, my tools per se. Mm -hmm. Um, and I ran like a seven two. So like if you're playing middle infield and you run a seven point two sixty, then like you're not gonna be able to go play on. Yeah. And so it was like a, a, a push and a pull from from both ends of like, hey, we got an extra dude from Utah and he's really good. He like hit a bunch of home runs for us that year. Um and then we had kind of an opening back there behind the plate. My skill set was better back there um, in terms of like the projectability hmm. and I wanted to go play on yeah. and I knew that my speed was kind of a weakness, but if you're on a seven, two catcher as a 60, like, Hey, that, yeah, that's actually, not, that's not too that's bad. Like, it kind of flips my weakness into a strength. And so, um, plus it, like, again, I love the leadership. I love the communication working with the pitchers I felt was going to be, um, a strength of mine. So, mm -hmm. so it's kind of all those factors together. Yeah. What, what is maybe, what was the difficult, the most difficult thing that you learned as you were learning to become a catcher where you're like, Oh my goodness. Like I had no idea it was going to be this difficult in this particular area. Yeah. <laughs> or was man. it everything? Oh man. It was, it was tough, dude. It was tough. Looking back, knowing what I know now, if I could, if I could coach myself along the way, it would have been so much easier. And, and I mean, that's partially why I'm doing what I'm doing now because yeah. I learned so much through the process, but let me tell you a story and this will kind of, this, this may resonate with you, but um, so the very first day of practice, 
<laughs> we didn't have a very good pitching machine. We had like a one of those old two-wheeled jugs machines. Okay. Do you know what I'm talking yeah. about? Almost like the one that you put a football through, but it was baseball size. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so our coach, he's an awesome coach, but I don't think that he knew how to teach catching very well because not very many people do. Yeah. Right. And literally the first day of our fall practice, I have like red shin guards on red Easton shin guards, a black Wilson chest protector and like a two piece mask that are also different brands. Um, (laughs) So like, I'm just like thrown out there very, very new. I've been working and stuff, but haven't gotten a ton of, a ton of reps and our coach, dials up both wheels on this jugs machine to 90 and 90 and he has it like on the grass so it's not 60 feet it's and i don't know the exact measurement to the grass but it's like on the grass throwing 90 miles an hour from both wheels which means that the ball's not spinning so it's throwing a splitter or a knuckleball at 90 miles an hour from in front of home plate and i my thumb got busted super hard uh, another one of our catchers took a ball straight to the kneecap. Another one of our catchers got hit in the cup and another one of our catchers just missed it. And it hit him straight in the chest. Um, at that, that point, were that, you thinking like, I made a huge mistake. I was thinking like, oh my gosh, we're in for it. Um, but so, yeah, so that, that was something that, that honestly kind of hurt me for the rest of my time because mm-hmm. Once you hurt your thumb, it's so tough. Um, and then there was another time where I was catching a bullpen and we had a hard thrown freshman and we were working on throwing inside. My coach gets one of those dummy batters mm-hmm. and puts it right up on the plate and he throws it and it hits like the batter's arm and like ricochets down and hit my thumb. And I remember I literally grabbed my glove and threw it on the ground and I called my dad that night and I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Like, like I literally can't feel my thumb. This is so hard. Like, I don't know if I'm, I, don't know. I might just go back to second base. Yeah. And, um, and then he was like, all right, let's go get some work in. So then me and him, we spent a bunch of time and, and kept rolling with it. Wow. And, but your dad at this time was in Utah or is he also in, in, in California? He was in California at this point. Okay. Okay. Wow. Yep. Good for him for uh, not just letting you give up, but, uh, you know, work, working on it because yeah. it's... Yeah, it, lo- looking back, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful. I don't know if I really would have quit, mm-hmm. but that's what I was feeling in the moment. Oh, for sure. Like, I for do sure. not want to do this. Yeah. And, like, we've all been there, like, not necessarily in sports, but there's been times when we're, when we're all like, you know what? Why am I even doing this? Or for yeah. whatever reason, you know, it's so easy to be like, all right, I give up or I'm quitting in that moment but then at, when you backtrack and take a little bit of time it's like okay where am i really gonna quit but right uh, and especially in baseball it's so huge like the mental aspect and i always talk and ask guys who play um who have played or who are playing like how do you deal with that mental side of baseball um and just like from your story alone just talking about how you wanted to give up but you obviously didn't um like how do you deal how or how did you deal with like the mental side of things yeah, well, I, w- I would say the, the biggest challenge mentally that I faced was that we were playing at a really high level, right? We're playing, we're playing D2 college ball with like a bunch of really good teams like mm-hmm. Cal BAP, Azusa Pacific, Point Loma. You know, Cal BAP moved on and they were D1, won their conference like first two years or whatever. Um, but the biggest challenge that I had mentally was that because I was new, I was making mistakes and then my team would get mad at me. Hmm. And then I would like feel this pressure, like sometimes from specific players, sometimes from specific coaches. Hmm. But when you feel that pressure, what happens is you are no longer focusing on the ball, right? You're focusing on mm-hmm. like the dugout or you're focusing on like your body. And that's the worst thing that you can do. Like you want to get external rather than internal in your mind like you want to be just have all your focus on the ball Mm -hmm. but you know when you start making mistakes and everyone has experienced this at some level um but when you start making mistakes you start getting tight when you start getting tight then you're slow 
when you're slow, then you make more mistakes. And then it can just go like that real quickly. And then if you lose your confidence back there, then it's really tough to get it back. Um, Especially if there's like little voices in your head, you know, of like, Oh gosh, what if I missed, you know? And, and so when you start going down that, that rabbit trail, that's the, that's the dark spot on the field without a doubt. Mm -hmm. And, what, what I would try to do, right? And I think sometimes it works, sometimes I didn't. I think if I had a little more time, it might've worked a little bit more. Um, but you just have to figure out how to get back to the present moment. That's that's the only way. Because normally when, when you are not playing well, you're either looking back to the past, thinking about the mistake, mm-hmm. or you're looking forward to the future about the potential consequence of, hey, am I going to be in the lineup tomorrow? Or... You know, what, what, what's going to, is my coach going to say something when I get back into the dugout? And so those are like the two ways that you don't want to go mentally is either back to the previous mistake or forward to the potential consequence Mm -hmm. that you're imagining. You you just have to figure out how to get back to the present. That's awesome. Um, So after college, um, what, what was your transition from as a baseball player to then um, life outside of baseball? Yeah, so I got married to my beautiful wife. We're actually having a kid, uh, our first, our first daughter uh, coming up here in February. Congrats! So we're like we're like closing in within a month of the due date, which is crazy. Let me tell you this, man: um, your life is going to change completely. <laughs> That's what everyone has said. What was the biggest change for you? We had our first kid pretty early into our marriage, and. At times we're like, wow, we maybe we should have done more things together before. But now I'm thinking, like looking back, I'm like, I'm glad we had a kid early. Uh, we were both married early, and like we had children early. So I'm like, okay, it's it's kind of nice because one, um, I'll be young when they're older, so we can still we can yeah. do things athletically. Because I had my, my dad, I think, was almost forty or maybe older when he had me. So like. I, I we never had like that. Oh, let's go play catch because you know it was always like I eh, couldn't do that. Um, but right. but for it's just like things you used to be able to do together. It's just changes like traveling. Like last year, I had to go visit my dad because he was in the hospital, and it was like, all right, let's go get the stroller, let's get the diaper bag, let's get all the stuff. And things that used to be so simple, I was like, hey, let's just jump in the car and go to the airport. And now it's like, yeah. jump in the car. Do we have a bottle oh we forgot a past pacifier we got to go because you can't forget that so all these little things you just start to learn and uh it's but it's amazing like i yeah i wouldn't change it for the world that's awesome man how many kids do you guys have now three two boys and a girl so we just had a a daughter a year ago congrats man yeah okay one i gotta hear what's biggest piece of advice first first kid in a daughter we're our first two kids are boys and then we were like, okay, we we want a girl, and then but we didn't we didn't really want more than three kids. We're like, I hope <laughs> hope this is a girl, and you know, thinks it was. Um, but I'll tell you this, man, every kid's different, and the personalities um, you'll learn as you have more kids. If that's you know, in your future and stuff like that, but the personalities are different, and every kid is different, and all the advice that people give you, like, oh, I did this with my kid, I did this with my, every everyone's different. <laughs> like it, what works for one person is not going to work for you um i can say do this with your kids and it might not work for your kid so every, everything's different so yeah. i don't know i would just say just you know do it follow your heart you know pray about it be the best dad you can be because that's that's all i can that's that's my best advice is just trust god because it's uh it's not easy being a parent yeah well that's great advice man and that's something that i respect it is always funny because i love asking people yeah for just hey what's you know you've been down the path before me you know throw me a line <laughs> help me avoid something that that was hard for you and um they it is funny sometimes people will be like oh you gotta do this yeah uh, and it's like man that that's that's super cool that they shared that because that's coming from a place of a lesson that they had to learn yeah probably the hard way you know um and then at the same time it's like well every kid is different so i'm gonna take that and then i'm gonna figure out yeah what, what works for us so yeah you just take all these different yeah you just take all these different advices that you get and then you just try what works best and then just recognize that 
like everything, especially in baseball, you're going to fail. And uh, yeah, just just grow from that. There's no perfect mm-hmm. parent. So, I mean, it's just you just learn on the job. It's, it's literally what it is. It's funny because like, I've never been a dad before. And then it's like, now you have a kid. It's like, oh, okay. Learn on the job. Like there's no uh, yeah. there's no uh, parenting made simple on YouTube that I can watch. <laughs> Maybe someone should start that. <laughs> that might that after a year or two of you being a dad, let me know. Maybe we'll start that together. <laughs> there we go. There we go. That would make a good podcast. Honestly, we could probably get some great people on there. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, I'm gonna make a mental note to think about that, and that's like I'm always looking for more ideas to like um, do content and stuff. So that's definitely something I'll, I'll keep in the back of my mind. Um, but speaking right. of catching made easy, like where did that come about? Like what made you decide to create content? That's a great question. I have always loved to create and share yeah. and give messages and communicate. Like that is. That is one of my favorite things. So that's always been in me ever since I was a kid. And then in terms of catching, uh, I mean, ever since I learned all, all that, this stuff and I went through the transition, you know, like I, now I'm able to communicate that really well because of that, probably better than a lot of catchers that have caught their whole life because they didn't have to necessarily figure out how to articulate it. Hmm and learn as quickly as I did because they had, you know, five years, 10 years, 15 years more runway than me in, mm-hmm. in learning. And so, um, so the catching side, that's, that's always been a passion for me since I transitioned as well, because like, I, I just know, I know the pain that people go through, uh, at like such like a, like a gut level. Like I, I know how hard it is. I know, what it feels like to struggle. I remember I had that problem. This is how I fixed it. So Mm -hmm. that part just like comes out uh, really naturally. And then, you know, it's cool. I was creating content on, on LinkedIn, like business content um, for a while, maybe like a year, two years before this catching uh, opportunity came up. And so I had like built out systems. I had figured out, you know, how do you make a good hook? How do you continually like capture ideas and put it into a system to get something out of it? How do you build relationships with people on social networks? And then, and then all of a sudden I was at my job and my boss told me, Hey, stop posting on LinkedIn, focus on your job, which was the greatest thing that I needed to hear. But I was also like, uh, I want to go, I want to go learn how to do this because I think this is going to be valuable. Mm-hmm. And like, I think that this is, this is a, a really important skill to learn um, just in terms of like where I think short form video is going mm-hmm. and um, you know, how education plays a role in like, in just educating the marketplace. And, and there now there's more catching people out there, which is great, but you know, there, there haven't been necessarily a ton of like dynamic catching communicators mm-hmm. um and catching is so skill specific it's so hard to find good information about it i was like man i would love to share what mm-hmm. i've learned with people um and then really kind of the the final nail in the coffin per se is Cruz, one of my good good friends uh that i played with at biola he, now he's coach rack on tiktok or cruising california on instagram but uh, we were in each other's weddings. Um, he got super big on TikTok because he uh, got picked up as a free agent. He told his dad. His dad yeah. starts crying. He goes super viral. And then he gets released and he starts making coaching videos. And this is this is something, too, that I'd love to get into a little bit. But, mm-hmm. like, how skills compound on one another. Yeah. And he he was previously really interested in photography and, like, like Photoshop and editing and graphic design and all this stuff. And so he had this kind of toolkit that most baseball players don't have mm-hmm. in terms of that creative side. And then he brought that into video and then he just blew up and then he gave me a camera and taught me how to edit. And I already had all the content. I had the systems, I had all of that. And so as soon as he gave me the camera, 
taught me how to write a good hook for TikTok. Hmm. Like we went, got some, got some quick feedback loops from each other. Um, and then it, and then it took off. I was at 10 K in a week. Um, my second video that I posted had like 1.3 million views. And then now I'm at 30,000. I've been doing it for a little longer, maybe like four months. That's crazy. That's a big, a big jump for just doing it for, uh, four months or so. Yeah. You know, it's, it is crazy, man. I, I think like the timing of all of it Mm -hmm. was perfect. Like, I don't, I don't think if I posted those same videos today, it would have been as explosive. Hmm. Why is that? Do you think? Um, well I've posted them again and they haven't done as well, which maybe that's because there's like duplicate content or whatever. But, um, also I think that there's just been so many more people that have been posting Mm -hmm. that, the algorithm, the algorithm isn't as like pushing hot. out your content as much. Yeah. And I think also it was because it was like my, my second video, like they're trying to test whether it's good or not. Mm-hmm. And th- this is actually super crazy. So 1.3 million views. Okay. It's like a 59 second video. Guess how many hours of watch time that is. How many, how many viewers? 1.3 million views of a, essentially a minute long video. 400 hours? <laughs> Dude, it's like 13,000 hours. Jeez. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. And is to think about that you there's people are viewing your content 1300 hours or whatever it may be. That's kind of a it's mind-boggling sometimes. Yeah, no, 13,000 oh, hours. Yeah, 13,000 hours. That's that's it's and mind-boggling. It's it's crazy. And What was your um, initial reaction when you saw that? Cuz I mean, I'm sure at, when you got the camera from um Coach Rack, uh you're thinking to yourself, oh, man, maybe is this really what it's but then you see the the success you immediately have. Like when that, what were you thinking then? I was like, "Oh, it's game on." <laughs> it's game on yeah. and game over. Like let, let's go, let's turn this thing on. That, that was my mindset at, at that point. Um, but kind of, kind of to, to your point, when I saw that 13,000 hours, I was like, oh my gosh, that is crazy. Mm-hmm. And then later on, I was talking with, um, with so, some of the people that were watching my videos. Mm-hmm. There was this dad that I connected with um, in Alabama. And he, we were talking and he was like, hey, I watch your videos with my son before bed every night. Oh, wow. And as soon as he told me that, I was like, no way. That That is so cool because, like, that goes beyond baseball, mm-hmm. right? That's that's helping a dad connect with his son in a yeah. thing that they care about. And when I heard that, I was like, man, this is it, man. This is cool. I'm going to keep doing this. Like, this is what it's about right here. Because, yeah, it's one thing to teach the game, mm-hmm. but – and it's a, it's one thing to t- teach the skills of how to be a better catcher, but really it's about like how do you become a better man? How can you how can you build the things that are going to last? Right? Everyone's going to hang up their cleats at some point, mm-hmm. but they're all going to have their relationship with their parents. Hopefully, mm-hmm. um, they're all going to learn to work. Uh, so maybe if they can learn how to do content creation, they'll be better at their work. They'll be more valuable in the marketplace. They'll yeah. be able to provide more for their family. So. So yeah, that that's the stuff that I'm really passionate about. I just use catching to like get there. Yeah, that's awesome. And you, you talked about compound skills. Um, explain a little bit more because you said you want to yeah. touch on that, or maybe you just did. But like, what what does that mean to you? Compact uh, compound skills and in content creating. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. This is like one of my favorite ideas right now. So basically, right, you have like a bunch of different skills, like in. So if you look at, let's use Cruz. Cruz is mm-hmm. one of my favorite examples for this because, right, when he was young, he did gymnastics, which gave him, like, incredible athleticism, mm-hmm. core strength. Like, he can do backflips really easily, right? So his body sequences really well. So he's a greater athlete. Then he also gets into photography. So he learns uh, how to use a camera, how to, like, make a good shot, you know. And then he also learns how to edit using Photoshop learns how to make the colors pop. Mm-hmm. And then he learns how to, um, 
how to how to go play college baseball, right? So he he gets that skill. Then he he goes and he plays professional baseball, gets that skill. Uh, he ran a social media for the Biola FCA and gets the social media skill. And then all of a sudden, you know, he makes that one TikTok, he blows up. Now he comes and he adds in the, the short form video mm-hmm. skill and then how to write a good hook skill and then how to use cuts and zooming to capture attention yeah. skill. And then he has his communication skill. And so it's like, it's the culmination. It's the compounding of, of all of them that then lead to like this highly valuable skill set. but it's not just one of them. Like they all stack on top mm-hmm. of each other and it gets exponentially more valuable, the more skills that you stack on top of it. And so, so I, when I'm talking to young guys, I'm always like, Hey, if there's something that is interesting, go pursue that because you don't know how that's going to come out mm-hmm. later in life. Mm-hmm. You know, like Cruz's photography stuff, who would have known that, you know, 10 years later, he's doing TikToks and is crushing it and, you know, make, making a living off of that. So yeah. really, really crazy. That's awesome. And good for him for kind of getting you that push that maybe you needed so that you can in turn, you know, uh, use your compound skills of learning how to catch and um, creating social media content to kind of do your own thing, which is pretty cool. Uh, in, in terms of creating content, um, how do you find inspiration for the videos that you post? Um, are these just questions that maybe people ask you or are there just things that you struggled with and you're like, okay, this is going to benefit others? Honestly, my brain is an idea machine and my wife kind of gets tired of it sometimes because I'm like, my brain is just always going, Mm -hmm. but yes, a big part of it too is like listening to customers or listening to people really, what kinds of questions they are asking, what doesn't make sense to them. And then I take that feedback and I'm like, okay, how do I need to explain it to this person so they understand why this is valuable? Mm -hmm. And but yeah, I have like I have like a whole like like kind of process of how I create them and stuff. And I have so many videos that just are ideas as of right now. Yeah. So hopefully hopefully I'll get to all of them. And that, that's <laughs> that's how my brain is too. Like even at night, like my brain won't shut off. Like I'll be up late thinking like, oh man, like I'm gonna have so and so on. Like there's so many things I can't wait to talk to this individual about or just things of that nature, like my brain won't shut off to a point where it's almost like a fault where I'm like, okay, I want to go to bed, but like I'm, I have so much things I'm thinking about all the time. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely hear you on that side. And also my wife sometimes is the same, the same <laughs> way. So I, I understand how you, how you feel there. They probably can relate in certain terms like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think anyone who's, and, and this is another thing too, like I think everyone's, brain is like that to an extent it's just Mm -hmm. a matter of how well you're able to capture it Mm. and how really fascinated you are by the thing that you're thinking about Mm -hmm. you know if it's not interesting to you then you're not going to come up with a a bunch of ideas and how it connects to other ideas but if it is interesting to you Mm -hmm. then your brain is crazy man it'll it'll come up with all this stuff and then you just got to figure out a way to capture it so that it doesn't escape do you ever have like imposter syndrome just thinking like, all right, I was a catcher for such a short time or maybe a content creator for such a short time and now millions of people are watching what I'm doing. Um, young kids, fathers with their kids. Do you ever just think like, all right, or even just have that, like imp- you know, imposter syndrome? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, yes and no. Yes and no. And, uh, I think, especially when I was playing, I did Mm. because, and and this is actually something interesting that I've noticed. There's a lot of content creators that are done playing and, you know, they don't, they don't have to go out on the field and produce anymore. Right. And there's a lot of young content creators where really it's the parents that are creating the content, Yeah, but you, you don't really see that many high school, college pro guys except for a lot of the guys that were at nybc right mm-hmm. sam carlson you know the savannah bananas guys um ian jenkins is still playing like those are really kind of the few people that are that are playing there's another guy mm-hmm. aaron antonini catcher for the cardinals organization that i really like he's super cool 
but yeah, it's, it's really, it's really fascinating to me because, you know, when, if you are playing and you are creating content, mm -hmm. then it's like, you better, you better have your stuff together. Otherwise you're going to get eaten alive by coaches, by teammates, by the other team, you know? And I think that that prevents a lot of people from just documenting what they're learning and sharing that story. Um, I don't have as much imposter syndrome now because like, I know I'm really good at communicating mm. and teaching people how to catch. And so like, I, I'm very confident in that. Um, you know, we made a video at NYABC of like kind of roasting the other coaches and they were like, what should we do for you? And I was like, I'm pretty sure I led the conference in pass balls, like one or both years that I caught. Um, and so it's like, I look back on that now and I'm like, Hey, I had a great ride, man. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not like ashamed of it or anything, but definitely while I was playing, there was definitely that like, man, how could I ever talk on this? If I, mm. if I have, you know, a ton of pass balls, you know, now looking back, it's like, Oh yeah, yeah. whatever. I, I learned how to catch when I was in college and it was awesome. I learned a lot and hopefully I'm going to help you in your journey. Yeah. And then speaking of content creators who are baseball players, um, Lucas Gilbreth, a pitcher in the Colorado Rockies. Um, cool. I don't know if you follow him, but definitely check him out because he does a great. Yeah, yeah, he puts out a ton of cool content. Um, I've had him on. Um, really good guy. Like he's. I asked him kind of funny thing. I asked him because he put out something on on TikTok about reading mean tweets, and so he was just reading all these mean tweets, and he's like, you know what? We see the comments that you're leaving for us as pitchers, and he told me that he. I asked, what is the funniest DM you've got? And he's like. I've had so many weird ones, but one guy messaged me saying, Hey dude, you lost me $200 and now I don't have anything left. <laughs> and he's like, so what am I supposed to do with that? Like, don't bet on, on me. Like my bad. I didn't mean to lose you $200. And if that's all you had, why are you betting that? So it's just funny, but he puts out a ton of cool content. So definitely uh, look up Lucas Gilbreth. Cause he has a, he's a really good guy. Like I said, I've had him on the pod. Super, super fun guy. Um, one thing I wanted to end on is the camp that you did. Like what went into the creation of that camp and like, what's the future of the camp? Yeah. Great question. So how it started was I was talking with one of my mentors and I was telling him about the story of the dad in mm -hmm. Alabama who's watching, watching my videos with his son. He's learning to catch. And I'm like, this is so cool. And you know, that was a big part of my story growing up was, you know, I spent a ton of time with my dad at the field. That was like our main connection point mm -hmm. was through through baseball. And that's probably true for a lot of people, right? Mm -hmm. Then I was telling Cruz about it and we were like, no way, dude, that was how you got big on TikTok was your thing with your dad too. And, and we were like, we should do a father-son camp. Oh, cool. Do like a retreat where it's like, you know, we get these people to come and stay and we can just like pour into them and, and their kids and really equip them with some great tools for life. And, and then as we were thinking about that more, we were like, dude, what if we, what if we dreamt like really big? Like what if we created the most epic baseball camp ever? Like what, what would happen? Who would be there? What would the mm -hmm. environment be like? Uh, what would we do? And we just started dreaming and dreaming and dreaming. And then uh, we were actually, in my office right here and uh it was me Cruz, and, and my wife and she was like well you know it just it's not your average baseball camp i mean Cruz both look at each other and we're like dude that's it mm -hmm. um and so that's what we named it and then we went forward with it and um it was an awesome experience dude it was so cool it was it was beyond what we thought because the the coaches the coaches had an incredible experience. It was like a retreat experience for a lot of these coaches getting around other people that were like mm -hmm. them. Um, multiple people cried as we were all hanging out together just because they were like, this, this has been incredible. Um, so it like reminded me of like a church retreat, you know, mm. that, that, that you go on. Yeah. Uh, and it was just so cool to build the relationships. And then, you know, the kids had an awesome time. All the parents that we talked to were like, Hey, we haven't seen, anything like this before this was a different type of camp mm. um and so it was it was it was awesome and then i think what is next Cruz and i were just talking about this last night but 
uh, we're probably going to do like, we'll, we'll call it like not your average baseball training hmm. um, and do like some training, like some with some younger kids and some with like some high school kids and really focus on like, like what type of development do you need? What type of habits do you need to build? Like if you really do want to go play. And again, with the intent of, Hey, we're going to use baseball to teach them these life skills hmm. that are going to last way beyond baseball. Um, and then we're, we're going to do another, another camp. We'll probably do like biannual hmm. camps, like winter, not your average baseball camp, summer, not your average baseball camp. So I think that's the game plan for right now. Have you thought about doing with kind with uh, coach ball game does as he goes to like different cities all over and just setting up different camps, even though his are probably more short term. But I mean, I feel like if you guys can just travel to like Milwaukee and then like Georgia and Colorado, whatever it may be, Texas, and mm-hmm. just set these up, like there would be so much. Because there's probably kids who are like, man, I wish I could have gone to California, but I'm yeah, in like there are, Florida. There are a ton of demons. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, definitely that could be in the cards yeah. in the future. Um, so not not right now. But we've definitely gotten quite a few DMs saying, hey, when are you coming to Texas? When are you coming to the East Coast? When are you coming to, you know, all these central states? Yeah, we've we've gotten a lot of DMs uh, about that. But not right now. That's that's not the plan yet. How did you get the coaches on board? I mean, obviously, you had a ton of content creators. Sam was a current uh, pro player for the Mariners. Um, You had a bunch of really cool like content creators. Uh, like how how did you pitch that idea to them? Like, hey, this is not your average baseball camp, but in a good way. Yeah, so it was a lot of a lot of like, hey, let's DM them. Uh, they followed either me or Cruz mostly. Um, more of them followed Cruz because he's freaking huge yeah. on on all these platforms, and so we got their phone numbers and then what we did was we essentially sent them a video text and said, Hey, this is what we're thinking. We want to have you at this camp. Here are some of the other people that are already coming. Uh, what do you think? Are you in? And they were, they were all super pumped about it. So it was, yeah. it was really cool, man. It was really cool. That's awesome. And like I said, I, ta- I talked to Drew about it and he said that it was one of the greatest experiences he's ever had. And I mean, he said it was just an incredible experience to see what the, how the kids and their reaction to it, um, the parents and their reaction, and then just being around other baseball people for a couple of days. Like he said, it's almost like a retreat um, yeah. for them as well. So that's super cool. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, man. It was it was one of the coolest things, and it was also crazy. Like again, when you think about skills compounding, mm-hmm. right? The the amount of work that we had to do to put that camp in to get it off the ground was, was very substantial. We were working a lot. Our wives are awesome because they let us just like grind yeah. on this thing. And, um, you know, now, now it's off the ground, so it's easier. There's, there's not all the, the hard work right at the beginning, but, um, yeah, it was, it was tough at the beginning and it took a lot of work, but, you know, I had done a lot of like the website stuff with catching made simple already. Mm-hmm. And it had taken me like three months to figure out all this stuff. And then once I had learned that skill, it was like, I could just turn it on yeah. for not your average baseball camp. And I got that site live mm-hmm. and all the things that needed to happen in like a week. Wow. So it took like, like three months of learning the first time and then into a week. Yeah of like, like, you know, so, so like, that's another aspect of like how the skills compound too. like, you get better as you go. Mm-hmm. Um, and the things that you learned are helping you in the things that, that are ahead. So, yeah. My last yeah. question for you, and that's awesome. Like, and I'm excited to see where you guys go from here. Uh, for those who want to get into content creating, um, what is one advice that you would give them? One advice. That's a great question. I would say, so I think the biggest thing that stops people from creating is shame Mm. because they're, they're worried that 
they're not good enough. Who are they to talk about this? If they talk about it, they're going to get made fun of. You know, like, and, and I think shame is truly the biggest problem to creating because when you do create, you put yourself out there, which exposes you, which lets you get hit, mm-hmm. you know, and they're oftentimes they're afraid that they couldn't do a They couldn't do a good job. They couldn't communicate as persuasively. They couldn't, um, you know, they couldn't, they couldn't figure out how to write a script or, or whatever. They think that it's going to be bad and they think that then it's going to be a reflection of them, of them being bad. And so I think the, the biggest thing is you just got to figure out how to get over that shame and just like, like you, you got to understand that the opportunity on the other side of creating is so much greater than any sort of, you know, like shame that, that yeah. you might experience at first. And you have to also remember that if you're going to do something, like if you haven't done it before, like you should expect to be bad at first. Yeah. You know, like pe- people forget that. Like they, they look at Cruz, for example, they're like, man, how can I make a video like him? Like, well, he's been, he's been making a video every day for months and months and yeah. months. And that's why his videos look like that now. Like, you know, you, you're going to be bad at first and you have to expect that and know that you can get better at it. And yeah. then I guess final thing, this is, this isn't one thing. So I'm sorry, but oh, the, the last means. thing that I would say is, is it's the start that stops most people. And so like, if you can just get going, mm-hmm. then like, then you can, you can, you know, you can steer the moving ship, but right. you, you can't steer it if it's, if it's not going anywhere. Yeah. It's funny you say that because, um, I, I can't remember where I heard it, but I think it was like the percentage of number, the number of episodes that most podcasts do and then stop is like seven or eight or something like that. There's like millions of podcasts out there, but there's like only 10% are active or something like that. And I'm probably butchering the percentages, but it's a very few. Um, And that same thing goes for any type of content that you're creating. Um, It's just that like initial, like putting yourself out there for people to see you in that fear of like, what is, what is somebody going to think of me? Um, it's things of that nature. That's, that's awesome advice for you. And it's a great way to end this. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.